Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. I feel like I missed something. I feel like I need to get out there and shake a hand. <laughs> we're so glad you're with us this morning. Um, today we're going to be looking at uh, an update from our uh, Pine Ridge, South Dakota missions trip. And it was so neat. We were singing that uh, song earlier about the Holy Spirit um, being welcome in this place. And um, every time I hear that song now, I think about those kids that were all gathered together and they were just uh, man, singing their hearts out. Just asking God's Spirit to to be in this place and uh, and, uh, and and to fill their lives up, and it was just it was so exciting just to be able to see those kids and just the enthusiasm for what God had from them. Every time I hear that song, it's like I have to hit the replay button. I want to listen to it again. <laughs> we left for Pine Ridge uh, three weeks ago, August first. There were 17 of us headed out to South Dakota. It was a uh, Two-day trip, we stopped about halfway through, and we spent the night, and uh, we got our sleeping bags out, and we slept on the floor. The first night on the floor, that's not a problem. And then we got to uh, Pine Ridge, and we made up uh, our beds. We got everything all set up, and second night on the floor in the sleeping bags, not a problem. And so I'm starting to feel it. Like, at the end of the week, I'm like, I'm going on like six days on the floor in a sleeping bag, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm kind of missing my bed. <laughs> we had sleepless nights. Uh, we had uh, days where we went without water. Something happened at the bag. We were we were on the ground on the hard floor working all day in the sun and uh, just sleeping on the floor at night. You know, there's nights where it was probably maybe four, five hours of sleep, and then we'd get out and would work all day. And then for lunch, we had sandwiches, and uh, some made peanut butter and jelly. Some had uh, uh, lunch meat sandwiches. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah, we're going to sign up for that, right? <laughs> It was funny because uh, when we got back uh, Sunday, we came back, uh, it, was about the, uh, it was the ninth, and um, we pulled into the uh, parking lot, and so I stopped at the entrance and uh, was just kind of reminiscing with the kids how much fun we had, and we were talking about the trip. I said, okay, we're getting ready to pull up to the building, but before I do that, how many of you would turn around right now with me and go back? And the whole van in unison all yelled, yeah, and their hands shot up, and and uh, it was just an unbelievable trip. And uh, it was just a, a privilege and a pleasure to get to serve alongside of our leaders and these kids. And uh, it was funny because we had a chance to process through that decision to turn around because we actually were talking about just going right back. <laughs> I said, I think some of your parents might be a little upset if I don't drop you off. <laughs> I have to make some excuses for that one. I said, I think they're expecting me to go to work next week. And so it was funny because we talked about just the impact of, hey, what would happen if we just got sold out for Christ right now. I just turned right back around and went out. It was really interesting to kind of talk through that dynamic of, you know, what does it mean to set time aside like that from a missions perspective and allow God to use you. It was really a great conversation we had with the kids. And so uh, God really went before us, and it was just a blessing. And so I want to thank you for sending us. Um, I use Springbrook sent us to uh, Pine Ridge. And so um, we had a portion of our disciple-driven funds pay for that trip. The kids raised some money on their own. And uh, we felt like uh, our church was behind us and praying for us, and uh, we felt sent. And so it was really encouraging to know that we'd get prayer texts along the way and to know that our church was praying for us, because that was really important. Um, we were, I think, mentally uh, prepared for the trip. We were going into Pine Ridge. We knew that there was an oppressed area. We knew that the suicide rate was going to be high. And so I feel like uh, our team had done some devotions, and we had spent some time in prayer, and I felt like we were, we were at least mentally and spiritually aware for the spiritual warfare battle. Uh, but the thing that kind of caught me off guard, I think kind of caught us all off guard when we got there, was just the level of poverty uh, that we saw in that community. 
the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation is probably made up of the Ogala, uh, Lakota Native American Indians. Indians. And so it's a site that has just uh, had several tragic milestones uh, throughout its history as it engaged with the, uh, the U.S. government. I know it was the site of the uh, probably the most well-known, the Wounded Knee Massacre. Um, and so just the history of that area was just really, it was really fascinating. And uh, just to kind of see what had gone on there with the reservation and just how all that worked out and to be able to talk to people that were actually you know, trying to work through those issues, that, that level of oppression is still there and they just don't seem to be able to move out of it. And so it really is an oppressed area. The, uh, the unemployment rate in uh, the area that we were working in was uh, between 80 and 90%. So let that sink in for a second. 80 to 90% of the people that were there didn't have a job or couldn't find a job. And so the unemployment rate is just, uh, it's just unheard of. Uh, the average income for a family in that area is $4,000 a year. The uh, alcoholism rate is estimated to be as high as 80%. Um, statistically, 25% of the children, the infants that are born in there, uh, suffer with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. And so alcoholism is just a rampant issue in that area. The suicide rate is twice uh, that of the national average. And, the, and I think the teen suicide rate was the one that really was the one that we were kind of prepared for. But it was interesting because every family we talked to either had a child or a family member that had been killed or, or had died in an accident or taken their life. And so the teen suicide rate is four times the national average. Um, the infant mortality rate is three times the national uh, rate. I think the thing that really struck us was this issue of poverty, though, the, um, just, and, and then the life expectancy for people there. Um, the life expectancy for a child growing up on Pine Ridge is the lowest in the United States. And so this area that we were ministering in, the population was uh, just specifically in our area was about 30,000. But for that Pine Ridge area, the life expectancy is the lowest in the United States. It is the second lowest in the entire Western Hemisphere, second only to Haiti. And so the area that we're moving in was just the oppression and the poverty. I think that, uh, you know, you can prepare yourself for that as much as you want, but until you get on the ground there, I think uh, you just can't understand what it's like to have to work in and through that kind of an environment. And so I am just, I'm really proud of our kids. They did a great job <laughs> talking to the families and just engaging with that culture. But it was a, it was a battle. And, uh, and every single one of them just rose to the, account, uh, to the challenge. And so I'm so proud of our team that went out there. Uh, Justin's done a great job with our youth ministry and those kids have done great. And the leaders had a fantastic time. And so thank you for praying for us while we were there. Next Steps Ministry uh, was our partner, and they had a team that was on the ground that's been there all summer. And so they sent the team out uh, in May, and there was about 15 youth. Uh, you have to be uh, one year out of high school before you can get there. So most of these kids are in college. A lot of them are construction majors or psychology majors or the sorts. And so uh, they have been on that site now for, I think it was almost four years. And so this was their fourth year there. And uh, so the team that was there was new. Some of them were not. Um, but our team showed up really to help Next Steps ministry. And so Next Steps is the one that has the presence there. And so they're continuing to work those relationships. But the summer team, they left three days after we left. And so, uh, but they had been working with groups all year long. And so when we showed up, we were one of probably about uh, 20 groups that had showed up. And uh, we were the closer group. And so it was our responsibility to try to help with them work through getting some of these major projects that needed to be finished um, before uh, they could leave three days later. 
And so uh, we had a lot of work uh, to do. And uh, But part of the dynamic is, is you don't want to just do the work. You want to engage in conversations with people on these work sites. And so it's a fine balance between trying to get the work done and uh, talking with people. And the Next Step staff and our team just did a, a fantastic job um, balancing um, all of those off. In fact, uh, we were the last group there. We cleaned out, I think, uh, one team. With one of the teams I was working with, we did four projects in four days. And then uh, it was really on the fifth day was our free day. It was a Friday. And so um, you could go anywhere you wanted. And so uh, some groups went up to Mount Rushmore. Some went to the lake and there was a bunch of options. But, you know, it's funny because our team woke up uh, Friday morning. We had been talking Thursday night. And uh, the entire team unanim- unanimously said, hey, we want to stay here on base this morning and help this next steps group get their work knocked out so that they can get out when they need to, too. So we did some work even on that free day, and then we went out and enjoyed the uh, afternoon. And uh, But our team just really um, uh, represented our church well, so I'm really proud of them. And uh, we've got a great student uh, team that was with us. We had uh, uh, 14 kids, uh, teenagers that went with us. In fact, I'm going to invite Jonathan Kay uh, to come out now. Jonathan was one of the uh, students that was on the team with us. So he actually served on my team. Jonathan, it was really a pleasure to kind of serve alongside of you. So why don't you uh, just grab a chair there. I know that um, a lot of times, uh, you know, people can hear about a mission trip if I've never been on a mission trip. I think a lot of times people kind of look at this and they think, well, what, what really happened there? What did, you know, what did you learn while you were there? And I was wondering if you could just share briefly, um, you know, what was one thing that you took away from that trip? that you would want to share with our church family? What's one thing that really kind of stands out in your mind or is crystallized? So I would have to say, most definitely, just how big God is. The The theme of our week was greater than, and we all got shirts that say greater than, and my, my bracelet actually right now is the greater than sign, which I'm probably doing backwards. Anyway, so the, the point is God is greater than your situation and any problems that you may face in life. And so that's definitely the most... Uh, poignant thing that sticks in my mind and when I think back on the trip because God was really bigger than everything we did. We uh, were exhausted every night. We would work all day and we, we worked. We, we built decks. We uh, ripped out subfloor. We put car- carpet in. We did, we did tons of things. We helped many people and at the end of the day we were wiped but the next morning we were renewed again with the energy that Christ gave us and it was an amazing experience each and every day to wake up and just have that renewal from the spirit every day. Yeah. You know, I know it's interesting because whether it, you, know, you can go um, sometimes just out of the state of Illinois, <laughs> you go on a trip to, uh, down to Lawndale or when you, when, you, when you get outside of an area that you're comfortable with, you do get a sense of the immensity of God's mission for that. Most so that, definitely. And we, yeah. I mean, we drove for like four hours through Nebraska. <laughs> so I don't know how many of you have been to Nebraska. I'm sure some of you probably like it. And it's very pretty. But there's nothing. There's like one town that we passed through the entire time, and it had a subway. That's, that's kind yeah, of We were funny. definitely out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, I know that um, I have been to a lot of seminars, and, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're in work, you can go to a seminar, you go through the class, right, and it's like, oh, this is good. Or even the, not the spiritual gifts class here because that's lasting. But, you know, a lot of times we go through seminars or something, and then we, we put the book up on the shelf, right, and we think, oh, and we can forget about it. I think sometimes, you know, a missions trip can be like that if we're not careful in a sense that, hey, I signed up, I went, and then when you come back home, you kind of get stuck back in your routines, and before you know it, you can forget the experience that you just had, and it becomes kind of a faint memory. But as you think about this mission trip specifically uh, to Pine Ridge, 
Um, what was one thing that you felt like you're going to, that you brought back with you that really changed your life or is going to change the way that, that you think about just how you view ministry? Yeah, so I, first off, I've definitely noticed just coming back into like a connected area. The area we were at had no service, which isn't, I, did, I didn't mind, but everywhere else around it had 4GLTE, but that one spot was a dead zone. And it was, it was fine, except we kind of needed it for navigation and figuring out what we, what we were going to do. But it was, as we come back, we realize how much, I mean, even in the car ride on the way back, everyone was uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media, getting back connected with this world when we'd just been taught and all felt that we were understanding that it's yeah. about that world. It doesn't matter what we're doing here. And so the biggest thing I've um, been remembering and thinking about each day as I do my devotions, they have a fabulous website for mm-hmm. it is just the peace that God puts on us and enables us to, to serve and show his love through us. So, I mean, when we got there, it was like Christ was over that one spot. Because no matter what we did, like I said, we were exhausted. We were, it was tumultuous times. We went all over. We did a bunch of stuff with different people at different events. We went to a thing called, uh, an event called Lakota Hope where there were artisans, and we got to just hear beautiful music that, uh, from a, a Jewish band who actually played. And we just got to do so many cool cultural experiences to connect with them and then understand that the work that we were doing did actually impact people. That we still felt that peace, like we're here, there's nothing else that matters, it's it's all for God, and it's only for God. And so as I come back, uh, and and we're starting school, I start school on Wednesday. Now some some of you poor children out there already started, and I'm sorry for you. I've been praying for you guys. But... um, we, as, as we start again, it's a stressful time, and we, there's so many different things that we have to juggle. And so just thinking about that peace and casting all your worries and your fears on Christ, like that, like that verse in the Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. It's just a very important thing to remember, and remember that it is true, and that if you follow that and do cast your cares, he's not going to forsake you. He's going to stay with you, and he will stay true to you. Yeah. Well, I know the scope of God's mission is global, and so it's always nice to be reminded of that. I think the lesson that you learned about distractions is a good one. If you can take with you right now, my friend, that'll be a good one that'll serve you well. Not to not to let uh, life's distractions interfere with your relationship with God. Uh, Jonathan was my uh, co-pilot on several trips, and so we got in the car and and it's like, well, where are we going, Jonathan? So he was the only one that was able to pick up a signal anywhere, and so and then he was our ESC mobile. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of reasons yeah. why it's bad. <laughs> I gotta use that later. <laughs> And then he was also a site supervisor. We had a couple of positions we got into where we needed some leadership, and Jonathan just did a fantastic job serving there. So, hey, it was really a pleasure giving me a trip with you. So thanks a lot. Thank you. We got back to the, it was the end of a day, and uh, we were exhausted. And everybody, there's, there's three other churches that are there. There's our church, and there's two others. It's a pretty big group. And so uh, there was probably almost 90, maybe 90 kids there. And uh, the end of the day, it was um, we were just exhausted. We had all eaten dinner. It was a spaghetti dinner, and uh, we were just all about ready to hit the sack. And the and the next steps crew was about ready to hit the wall too. And so they came out and said, "Hey, is there anybody that would be willing to come up and help us clean di- uh, dishes for dinner?" And I'm not kidding. It was uh, Jesse Heckenberg, probably about five other or six other kids. All of a sudden, before you know it, the entire Springbrook team had just descended on this. Uh, house and just kind of knock these dishes out and uh, these kids man they just had such a servant heart and yeah, just hearts after God and I was just uh, so proud uh, to be with them and I know that we had a great leadership team there it was uh, Justin and Robin 
uh, were there with me. In fact, Robin's going to come out, and uh, I'd like Robin to share a little bit, you know, from her perspective, um, some of the things that she gleaned, and then maybe just talk a little bit about, um, just from a church perspective, what impact this has had on you. So as you think back about the missions trip, you know, you know what's one thing that you'd want to share with our congregation, or maybe what's one thing that you brought back with you that really kind of changed uh, how you would do ministry today? You know, how were you impacted Can you by share the trip? that story again? Hmm? Yeah. Um, I'll condense it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I met a lady on a Monday night uh, from who grew up on the reservation. Her name was Lucy, and um, uh, she just she made jewelry. A lot of the people there make jewelry and things and craft things and then sell them. And um, so then we got built a little bit of a relationship. And then the next night was one of those um, acti- evening activities in the community at the Lakota Hope um, place. And I went to take a picture of the whole background because it looked really cool seeing everyone interact together. And that lady Lucy was there, and she came up behind me and ended up sharing her whole life story with me. And um, she had a pretty, um, just very difficult life, I'll put it that way. And um, anyway, we ended up praying together, and I prayed for her and her family, and and, um, we exchanged addresses. And um, she later on that evening gave me a pair of earrings that she had made that normally she would sell and I I had a hard time accepting them because mm-hmm. I knew that this was her live their, her family's livelihood but she insisted on um, keeping them and I told her how much it really meant to me and I was just amazed at how she that relationship meant so much to her and so to sum it all up it reminds me in that song Holy Spirit in the um, bridge part where it says let us become more aware of your presence yeah so, and, and to bring that back here is um, it's helped me personally, and I think it's impacted a lot of the students to to be more aware of God's presence in every place we go, not just there, but here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We're going to be looking at in just a little bit Paul's awareness of what was going on around him. But I think when you get into a position like that, you can't help but be aware uh, of just uh, whether it's people's needs, whether it's the poverty, or just the, the lack of hope or the opportunity we have to be salt and light in the community like that. And so that awareness was, was I think, large for me uh, as well. I know that um, we had, uh, this will be an impromptu, because I know Justin and I had the guys, and you had the girls all by yourself. So how did you do with, the, how'd you do with our girls? Okay, so honestly, <laughs> I was expecting major drama, okay? Like, yeah. you know, because girl, teenage girls, you get drama. It's given. So anyway, they were amazing. Yeah. They were amazing at how they interacted with each other. I was so proud of them. You don't sleep a lot. You know, we ate plenty. Those people were so generous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of work. You're tired. Sometimes you feel like you, you don't see a lot of people during the day while we're working. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you get irritable. You feel like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> and they just all extended grace to each other and were patient and helpful with one another and I was just like wow yeah, who's they're amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah you know right? that was, I know right <laughs> I know right <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that because that was what I was expecting too and you know what's funny and with the guys too it's the same thing because when when you tell a bunch of teenagers at uh, 6 30 it's like okay it's time for you guys to get up you know, you usually expect some resistance, but you know the guys and the girls. I mean, they yeah. they did a great job working together. They were just they were really on. So I'm gonna thank you for your leadership, and so thanks for all you've done for us. And so 
Thanks for coming out. <laughs> if we can go to this uh, next slide, Justin was talking to uh, one of the Next Steps leaders about uh, uh, our trip and just kind of hoping we'd serve them well. I just kind of have a follow-up. She texted back. She said, hey, thanks for all you guys did. Uh, thank you for our hardworking and energetic week. You guys are amazing and quite honestly one of the best groups I've ever had. <laughs> And so I think that was really a high compliment. I mean, she had been there for a lot of years. She had a lot of seniority. And uh, I just can't tell you enough how proud I was of these kids. In fact, if you are in the room and you went on our missions trip uh, to South Dakota, could you just stand for a moment? I think we got a couple. There you go. I am really looking forward to what God is going to do in the lives of those young men and women. And it was just really a, a privilege for me to uh, be able to be there. I'm going to uh, share a couple of things with you um, with just re- with regard to missions. You know, what is missions uh, like? And, uh, you know, having me talk about missions is like watching a dog with a pack of bacon. <laughs> I just, I love missions. So I tell you, uh, it just, it fills my heart up uh, to just to see how God how big God is and how he goes before us. And, and uh, just the whole theme of missions is, uh, is important to me. In fact, uh, one of my favorite movies has a theme that goes like this. Let's see if you can figure out what it is. Ready? Dun, 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 You guys know that? Missions, anybody not know that? It wasn't that bad, I hope. <laughs> yeah, Missions Impossible, you know. Mission Impossible is one of those movies I like. I was talking to my wife about it, and one of my favorites is the one Tom Cruise is climbing that mountain, and you know, he's hanging out there, and he's doing all those rock things, and my wife goes, don't, don't do that. <laughs> and she goes, hey, keep your clothes on. <laughs> but it's so cool, he's climbing up that mountain, you know, just, I love the idea of being on missions and being outdoors, and, you know, he climbs up to the top of this, and he gets up to the top, and uh, he's staying in this helicopter, and one of the movies drives over, and they shoot this thing down, and you expect it, it looks like a bomb, it, boom, sticks in the ground, and it's just sitting there, all of a sudden it goes, the little thing pops out, and he reaches over, and what's he grab? He grabs his sunglasses. He puts them on, and he watches this little video. You guys see this scene? Has anybody seen this movie? That's a popular one, right? Yeah, right? And so uh, my wife says, you don't pull it off, you're just not Tom Cruise. <laughs> I said, Okay. <laughs> But I love that I love that scene because what is what's the most famous line in that scene? This is your mission. What this is your mission? Should you choose to accept it? And so mission is not an event. Mission is the journey that we're on. It's the acceptance of the mission, and it's the being on journey on the mission. And so missions is not an event. It's it's a movement. It's a movement. So this morning I want to finish our time up. Uh, just by looking at some things about uh, the importance of missions as a movement. Missions not as an event, but as a movement. You see, because missions is not something that we do with God or for God or with God's approval. Missions is what we've been called to do as a part of God's foreordained plan because we serve a God that is sovereign over all things. Missions is a movement of God that is rooted in the, in the sovereignty of God. Missions is something that God has already foreordained that was going to happen. We just are participating with his plan. It's not something that we get to do. It's not something we conjure up. It's not about our mission, but about God's sovereign mission in a lost world. 
in a fallen world that needs to hear the hope about Jesus Christ. Missions is rooted in the, in the sovereignty of God. I want to share a passage with you from Romans or from Revelation uh, chapter 4. The book of Revelations chapter 4. John is on, in exile on the island of Patmos where God has used him to write the book of Revelations. He's written a letter to four churches. And then when we get to chapter 4 in Revelation, uh, he writes this. John's writing, he says, After I looked, and before me there was a door standing open in heaven, and there's a voice that I had first heard speaking to me when I heard the letters about the churches, and this, and this voice was speaking to me like a trumpet, and it said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And John would go on to describe this scene that opens up for him in heaven with God seated up there. He says, as he looks up to the throne, down in verse 8, he says, there are four living creatures that had six wings. One was covered with eyes all around it. It even had eyes under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders that were up there, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne. They take everything and just lay that all to the side. They lay their crowns to the throne and they say, you are worthy, Lord God, to receive honor and glory, and power. For you have created all things, and and by your will they were created, and they have their being. As you move into chapter 5, John says this, and then he says, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on it, on both sides, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth was able to open the scroll or even look inside. And I wept. I wept because there was no one that was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. One of the elders said to me, Don't weep. You see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, from the root of David, he has triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And so this glimpse of heaven just opens up that John lets us see. In. And, and I think as you look at the sovereignty of God issue, one of the first things that really stood out for me as I was looking through this passage last week was that there's a scroll in the right hand of God. The scroll in the right hand of God holds the destiny of our world in it. As you read through the remainder of the book of Revelations, you see everything that's written on that scroll comes to pass. It is our entire destiny of our creation and the world written on the scroll that God is holding in his hands. It's God's foreordained plan for the future as well as his will and and direction for all of creation. It's the decrees for the glorification of the believers and the decrees of the damnation of the unbelievers. And it's all in the hands of God. His entire plan as it will unfold for all of creation, believers and unbelievers alike. Chapter 4 and verse 11 said, You are worthy, O God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and, and by your will they were created and have their being. 
God is sovereign over all things, over all of creation. He's sovereign over the sun. He's sovereign over the moon. He's sovereign over the planets. He's sovereign over the stars that he's placed and put them in place. He's sovereign over the trees. Every grain of sand on the beach he is sovereign over. The hairs of my head are numbered, even the ones that are falling out God knows about. God is sovereign over this church. He's sovereign over you. He is sovereign over me. He's sovereign over every church. He is sovereign over everything that happens through all of creation forever and ever. God is sovereign over everything, and all authority is from him. Does he need me to do a missions trip? God is sovereign over all things. God does not need us. He does not need you. He does not need me. He doesn't need what we have to offer him because God will accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish because he is sovereign. We have an opportunity to participate with the sovereign plan of God. And who is worthy to open that scroll? Who is worthy to do that work? No one but one. Jesus Christ. That is where we find our hope and God's sovereign plan to the world that's in redeeming a lost world through His Son, Jesus Christ. We were eating lunch one morning. We were working on a house and working all working hard. We'd gotten out early in the morning and we got to lunchtime and we were starved and we found a little spot to kind of clean up and we found a spot to start eating lunch and I was keeping a close eye on your kids for you. Okay, so just so you know, because I see a guy come walking out of the woods. My first thought is, okay, do I need to be worried about this guy? <laughs> so he comes walking out of the woods, and he's got his hands. He's doing a little chant, and uh, he's kind of rubbing his hands over the bushes, and he's just kind of looking, he's doing one of these things, and he's just kind of off in his own world. And uh, he's kind of walking. He starts walking closer to us. He's getting closer and closer, and so I'm, you know, trying to check this thing out. And, and so uh, he walks up. He kind of gets a little closer. He's got a big cup, one of those big jumbo cups. It's full of beer. And uh, he is, uh, he's been going at those all morning. And so he's barely making it over to our table and he's singing and he's kind of chanting. And he walks up and he looks at our table and he goes, hi there. <laughs> and so uh, we just say hi and we're kind of checking. He goes, I didn't want to bother you or nothing. He goes, I was just, you know, out worshiping creation. He goes, you have, you serve one God. I have two. And so we start talking about the spirits and starts talking about the God. And he said, I don't want to bother you guys. You know, we've got, you know, we've got some time to eat and we're talking. And so, eh, not a bother. So we started talking to him a little bit. And so he comes up and he ends up talking to us. And then he's kind of sit down. So he wants to sit. So he sits down and he puts his big, big gulp on the table. And uh, we start having this conversation about the spirits, and he's just talking about the oneness thing, a very spiritual conversation. And uh, uh, we started talking about our God, and he said, are you Christians? And he said, yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm familiar with that. I've talked to some other people that have been here earlier. And, and so he said, uh, he started telling us his story about, as a Native American Indian, he actually served in Vietnam. And so he had been uh, kind of from this revelation, uh, this reservation, kind of one of the guys that they just took. He was really an older gentleman. He said they just took, they just took him and they sent uh, a bunch of his and his friends to uh, Vietnam, and you know, not everybody came back. And he said, I did some things while I was over there that was really bad. And he said, I'm kind of nervous about your God because he goes, I, I don't think there's a place in heaven for me. He said, I'm that God makes me nervous because he said some of the things that I've done. Uh, some of the things that I've seen and participated in, he said, he said, the best that I can hope for is purgatory. 
He said, there's no place in heaven for someone like me. And so we started to unpack that with him and just kind of process him through with him. And he didn't, you know, he didn't give us any details, but it was just a sense of hopelessness. There is nothing that I'm looking forward to. I don't know where I'm going to end up, and all I am stuck here. And we kind of talked with him a little bit, and he was really, he was really weighted down with this. And so we started talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And, and I wasn't quite sure he believed it, and the kids were, you know, were talking with him. And, and I, God just kind of prompted us. I, I went over, and I put my hands on his shoulder, and I began to pray for him that God would release this spirit of bondage on his life and that he would be able to experience the fullness of Christ that is his and the assurances that are ours through Christ. And, and he just started crying and weeping. And, and, uh, and the kids were all sitting there. I think everybody's kind of in shock. <laughs> but just to watch the weight of this hopelessness come off of him. And I prayed. I prayed, I prayed for Tony. Tony was his name. And I prayed for him every day because I, I just hope he remembered when he woke up the next morning. Oh, God, grab Tony. What's it like to live with that kind of hopelessness that where you have a God that you don't think you're worthy enough to be in heaven? And I told him, Tony, I said, look, there is nothing that you have done that God cannot forgive. And sometimes I talk to people like that, even today in this area, there's, there's times when I talk to people, it's like, well, God can't forgive. This is too big. There's nothing that God can't forgive. Our God is sovereign over all things. And, and he offers us, yeah, he offers us forgiveness. That is the beauty of the cross, that there is hope for every single one of us. For even the least of these, there is hope. Our God is sovereign over all of creation. And as a part of his sovereign plan, Jesus Christ is the one that is worthy to open up that scroll. We don't do missions for church. We don't do missions for God. God's there, but we do not do it with God. Missions is a sovereign movement of God as a part of his plan to redeem a lost and fallen world. The second principle I want to share with you about missions is this. Missions engages culture with Jesus Christ. Missions engages culture for Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 10, I see the Apostle Paul is uh, uh, finished up his first missionary journey. Uh, he's been through Cyprus and Turkey and uh, a 1,400-mile journey, by the way, that he uh, finished telling people about Jesus. So we move into chapter 17. His second missionary journey is going to start, and it will take him 2,800 miles. He's about halfway through his journey when we get to Acts chapter 17. He's just finished up in Berea, and he is waiting for his disciples to join him in Athens. And then in, in Acts chapter uh, 17 and verse 16, it says this, while Paul is waiting for his disciples in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. His heart broke for the city that is full of idols. And so he began to reason in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace by day, uh, anybody that happened to be there. Verse 18, it says a group of uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. And some of them said, what is this blabber that he's trying to say? Others remarked that it's, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. I don't know what he's talking about. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and about the resurrection. You know, sometimes when we're talking to people about Jesus, they think we're talking garbly gook. 
I mean, it's difficult sometimes to talk to people about this, but, but we preach what we know and we share others with others what Christ has done in our own life. And as a part of God's sovereign plan, some are receptive to that and some are not. Paul would go on to talk to them about it, and, and they'd wanted, they, they took him to a meeting, and they said, okay, come on, you've got to come with us. And so they take him to this meeting, and in the middle of the meeting, he, be, he stands up, and the, in verse 22 it says, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for I've walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to the tomb of an unknown God. And so he goes on to talk to them about Jesus Christ. And as you move towards the end of chapter 17, I love this, in verse 32 it says this, when they hear about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. Isn't that awesome? The sovereign will of God. Some people will hear and some people will not. It's not our responsibility to do anything but share Christ with others and trust him with the results. In Acts chapter 2, when those early believers got together, they held everything in common. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and they were in awe of the sovereignty of God. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. We don't save anyone. We do not go on mission for ourselves to accomplish something for God. We are a part of God's sovereign plan of redeeming a lost world and drawing them into a relationship with himself. Sometimes they respond, sometimes they don't. It's our responsibility to be available and to engage our culture with Jesus Christ. Everything that we do should point people back to Christ. If you're doing something good and somebody says, oh, you're doing a good job and you don't point it back to Christ and you're, you're getting the credit for it. As we look at the, as we engage with our culture and we, we and we look at what's going on with Planned Parenthood or the government or this or that, we've got to engage in those conversations and move it towards spiritual conversations about the sovereignty of God and the hope that we have in Christ. A couple of principles about Paul there. When he got to Athens, he stopped. He saw. It says back there in the beginning of that verse, when Paul looked around, he looked around and he said he saw, he saw the, uh, he was distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Paul was a student of his culture. He was aware of what was going on around him. And so when we enter into relationships, it's kind of like what Robin and Jonathan were talking about. If we can put our agenda to the side and we can stop and look around and see things from God's perspective, he's going to honor that. We need to engage our culture with Jesus Christ. We need to see and we need to reason with them. We need to talk with them. We need to share with people what Christ has done in our own lives. Has Jesus done anything in your life? Do you have the assurance of spending eternity in heaven? Are you secure in that? If not, then the alternative is eternal damnation. There is no middle ground. And so a believer to stand up and say, I am secure in Christ is cause for celebration. It is something to talk about. We live in a world that needs to hear this news because Tony is not just in South Dakota thinking he is not worthy of God. He is in our neighborhood. Last week I was talking to a girl and she had to call. We had the, the police had gotten involved and she had, been, she had been beaten up by her boyfriend. Her jaw was broken. Her nose was broken. And I was talking to her about why do you let that happen? And she just had no sense of self-worth. You do not have to tolerate that. And I was trying to talk with her and engage with her and she had no place else to do. The only thing that she knew was a boyfriend that beat her and didn't love her. And I said, it doesn't need to be that way. You don't have to go to South Dakota to see this helplessness. That's just down the street in Algonquin. That's an affluent area. 
We need to engage our culture with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer, share what Christ has done in your life with others. Acts 1.8 promises that the same power that spoke creation into existence is available to you in your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth, and you will be his witnesses. All we have to do is share what Christ has done in our life and engage in conversation. Be aware of the situation around you. You know, I was talking to my wife, and there's a difference between having the gift of evangelism and just being a witness. You know, an evangelist has the ability to engage and discuss and we'll move towards the decision, but every believer is called to be a witness. And so I was talking to my wife about how this has played out for her, and she said, you know, I had a, she works, she was working in a cafeteria, she was on the food line, and she had a couple of kids, they were just always complaining about the food, and she had one that was just really uh, disturbing. <laughs> just really hostile about the food. And she said, you know, God, is, God provides all things. And so it was interesting to kind of dialogue with her to be able to say that, you know, you're in schools, church and state, I don't know. But, you know, it was interesting because just it kind of caught his attention and just planting a seed like, hey, God is sovereign over all things. That little lunch meal that you're taking there, God provided that. There's not a meal that I don't sit down with at dinner that I don't thank God for his provision because I know people that are looking for food. And I'm grateful for God's provision. He is sovereign over all things, and all things come from his hand. And all we have to do is engage in that kind of a conversation with our culture. I've had more conversations with people in the last week. As I was kind of preparing this message, I was thinking about this engaging in culture thing. And and just in the last week, I was talking to somebody that had moved into the area, and they were shopping for a church. And I understand, you know, it's okay, you need to look for churches. I'm I'm thinking engage with culture. I say, hey, look, church shopping, don't do it. I said, you find a church. They preach the Bible. You get connected there. You get connected there. You become a member there. You serve there. You get in a small group there. And you let God use you there. Grow where you're planted. Find one. Get connected and be a part of God's plan. God is sovereign. He doesn't exist for meeting our needs. You find a local church. You get connected with it and plug into it. It doesn't matter which one it is, but find one. And allow God to use you to accomplish his sovereign plan. I had another conversation about a new car. A guy had bought a new car and he got a ding on the door. And I said, you know, I remember I got a car. I, I don't get to buy a lot of new cars. <laughs> I bought one, though. And uh, had it two days, man. Boom, somebody dinged the door. Big old dent. And I can remember the original frustration. But it was also a time that I was going into ministry. And I thought, wow, what's more important? That car or living out a life that's focused on helping people to find out about Christ. There's going to be more dings. You know, don't let that door ding bother you. I mean, so, I, you know, we had an opportunity to talk about where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. Where your treasure is, your heart follows, Matthew 6:21. Where your treasure is, your heart follows. Don't let your treasure be in that car. Let your heart break for people that don't have a relationship with Christ and let your treasure follow that. You know, we have opportunities constantly with our calendars. I can't tell you the countless times. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm busy. I mean, we're all busy. Just talking to somebody about their calendar and our culture is a great way to engage with Jesus Christ. You know, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. God is blessed. He didn't give me any more time to give you. We all have the same 24 hours. I was talking to some men at our men's breakfast. What are our priorities? Guys, God, spouse, kids, jobs at the bottom, right? That's what it should be. I mean, that's what we all think. That's what we talk. What happens over here? Wow, man, I got called into work again. I'm working on a 15-hour week this week. Oh, 
And my wife and I have working two jobs. We haven't seen each other. And I don't know where the kids are. And don't even talk to me about devotion. And so we know where it should be. But our culture is trying to pull us over here. It's not about your job. God has got to be first in our devotion life. You've got to make time to talk with your spouse. You've got to make time to be involved in small groups. You've got to make time to be encouraged as we hear the word on Sundays. We, we've got to put God first in our life so that everything else flows out of that. And that's the message that we can engage with our culture. And as we talk about, I'm living a busy life. You don't have to be busy. And the good news is you don't have to add a bunch of stuff to your calendar, cut some things out. And so we can engage our culture very easily just by looking for opportunities, whether it's kids in the food line, somebody looking for a church, talking about a new car or busyness of life. We need to engage our culture with the good news about Jesus Christ. That's the second principle. And the third one is this. Missions requires our participation. God is sovereign. He does not need us, but he wants us. God is sovereign, and he needs us to participate in his plan. Jesus was a part of the plan. He submitted himself to the Father's will. Paul was a part of the plan. You're a part of the plan. I'm a part of the plan. God uses us to accomplish his plans. He's sovereign. We need to engage our culture, and we need to participate in what he wants to do. In Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes this, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites that they might be saved. Does your heart break for people to be saved around you, like Paul's? I can testify about them. They're zealous for God, but in their zeal, it's only based on knowledge since they did not know about the righteousness that comes from God. They did not know about Christ. And so he goes on to talk to them about the situation that they're in. And then in verse 14, he says this, How can they call on someone that they haven't believed in? How can they believe in someone and who they've not heard about? And how can they hear without somebody telling them? And how can somebody tell them unless they are sent? You have been sent. You will receive the Holy Spirit and He will be upon you and you will be His witnesses. If you are a Christ follower, you have been sent. You don't have to ask for permission by that, by the way. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have a responsibility to participate in God's plan. It's a missions is a movement. It's not an event that you sign up for. It's a lifestyle that you live out. It's your purpose for living. It's, it's submitting to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This morning, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, whatever the reason is you don't, get that question answered in your mind. I will meet with you. Pastor Dan will meet with you. Our small group leaders would love to talk with you about that. Our prayer team is going to be over here after the service. We need a relationship with Christ. You can either say, I have one and I know it. The inverse is that you don't have one and you're in trouble. It's a question of whether or not you know it. God's mission is sovereign over the world as we engage a culture with Christ and participate in what he has for us. You know, the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea for a reason. Anybody know where the, the Dead Sea is in Jordan? It's called the Dead Sea because things flow into it, but they don't go out. That's not what we're about. Springbrook is a church that takes seriously the command to reach the community for Christ. We want to build in, we want to equip leaders, and we want to send them out to engage our culture. And you can do that in a variety of different ways. You can get involved in a small group. We're getting ready to launch small groups coming up this fall. If you're not in a small group, you just need to jump in on them. We've got a great series coming up. If you've never been down to Lawndale, you can sign up for Lawndale. 
Uh, that, we'll have some information about that coming up. I know we're going to take a little bit of a break for that. But, you know, it's interesting because every one of us is called to participate. You just need to find your place in that, and, and we can help you do that here at Springbrook. You know, I was talking to Ben and Sarah Belton, and they've been at Springbrook now for almost four years. I was talking to them last week, and they're looking at missions in Africa, and they're preparing themselves for, for what God might have for them. It's going to be a year or two years. And God's sovereign. He's got the plan. But it was interesting to kind of talk to a couple about God's leading. And, you know, I was thinking about these kids that went on our missions trip last week, and I, I'm praying. I'm praying that God would raise one of those guys up to be a pastor, maybe one of those ladies up to go into full-time ministry. I'm praying that God would use our ministry to raise up and send out missionaries, whether it's to our community or our world. Let's be a church that's praying for God to use us to accomplish his plans. Our worship team's going to come out in just a moment, but I want to share with you really quick a letter I got from Sam Zhang. He came on the trip. He says this, During the week of that missions trip, I learned that there is truly... Uh, no place where God cannot provide hope. There is no situation, there is no place in this world that God's hope can't shine into it. We just need to be sensitive to that, aware to it, and be willing to, to be a part of that. He says, he, and even in, as, I, as I was walking through these broken down areas, God's presence and love was evident everywhere. He said, I learned how powerful good teamwork can be. Even in the most frustrating and difficult times, I thought, wow, that's, that's church membership. <laughs> that's working together. It's frustrating working with people. It is frustrating. It's frustrating working with me. I know I'm frustrating. We're fallen. But this teamwork, when we come together and we put all the other stuff aside, we stop arguing about the color of the carpet and what kind of chairs we're going to have, we start focusing on mission, and we start focusing on what Christ has together for us, that teamwork pulls us together in a way that nothing else can. We've each been given a spiritual gift for the purpose of building up this body of Christ so that until we attain the unity of the faith and we're made stronger, it can accomplish what God has for us. You know, Sam didn't know what he hit on with that one. And then he says, this teamwork thing, <laughs> I love that. It's useful in everyday life. <laughs> You're right, Sam, it is. Because we are on mission, not with God, not for God, but it's a part of God's sovereign ordained plan to accomplish what he wants for us uh, in this community. And so as we think about missions, as we think about what that looks like in your life, as you celebrate with our team all that God did for us uh, with South Dakota, I want to pray for you that, that God would just um, draw you close to himself and give you a clear sense of his will for your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. God, we've been able to gather here together this morning uh, not because the buildings are conditioned or because we have no place else to go. We came here this morning, God, to worship you. And God, uh, you, because you are worthy of our praise. And I pray that you would continue to encourage us, uh, strengthen us. Uh, God, give us a boldness to live missionally in life, not just as an event, but God, help us to live missionally each day because we love you, because you're sovereign, because we want to engage our culture, and because we want to be a part of your plan in redeeming a lost world. Father, thank you for this day we've given it to you. We've Lift this morning up to you. We lift this weekend up to you. We look forward to the great things you're going to do. In Christ's name, amen.